0: This is the Catalyst podcast, Food for the Journey. Season two, episode 12, How to do your best work. Hi, I'm Michael and welcome back my friend to the season finale for season two, episode 12. It's all about today, how to do your best work. So before we get started, I'd like to say a massive thank you as always to the Masterclass Sessions. So if you click on the link in the show notes, you can book yourself on the next Masterclass Session. And if you send me a quick email, michael at katolos.co.uk, to tell me something you enjoyed from today's episode, the Masterclass Sessions are willing to gift you uh, a year's full free membership to watch 12 sessions, which is amazing. So if you click on the link in the show notes, I'll be going to the next one. You can book yourself on. We're always working, aren't we? We seem to be, or, or we try not to. Working, do you ever get asked that question? How's 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 business? Are you busy? How's work? Are you busy? Are you busy? Now, depending on where you live, you might hear that phrase. I hear that phrase a lot. And it was my second year in business I started to have the confidence to say no. People say, Oh, I'm sorry. I said, like, No, no, my goal is not to be busy. And yet we somehow fall into it, don't we? So today I want to give you something special for the season finale. You know me, I try and do something special. Um something very topical and something you don't really hear a lot about what does work actually mean these days? You know, As I recall this in 2022, what constitutes work? What are the different types of work that you do? What was work like 100 years ago? Is it different to now? And what's it gonna look like in the future? And then a very important aspect is how to be able to cultivate your best work, something that you're really proud of because it's not just enough, I don't think, maybe it's never been this way, to just work. We want to create something to be proud of, a legacy, great work, great services, great products, great relationships, and I want to try and help you to be able to do that. So firstly, you know, what is work, and how can it have a proper place in your life? Because we all have to work to a greater or lesser degree. But you hear people say, don't you, oh, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Personally, I don't think that's very helpful to a lot of people, who are not in that position and they hear something like that and they feel like a failure because they can't live up to that. Many people have told me that, so I'm not going to talk about that kind of stuff. What I want to start with is a definition. What does work mean to you? Think about it. What would you class as work? Is it different to play? Is it something that's difficult? Is it something that requires effort and energy to put in? Is it something you don't enjoy or something you do enjoy? Is it physically demanding? Is it mentally demanding? Does it exchange some value? You know, what is work to you? And make sure you understand that definition because whatever you think work is, that's what you're doing, if that makes sense. If you think work needs to be nasty and horrible and difficult, then that's the work that you'll do. And I know it sounds silly, but it's very important, I think, to start with that definition because if you ask 10 different people, just ask them, what is work? I bet you'll get 10 different definitions. So if you don't know, if you just say, "Well, it's my job," or "It's what I do for my business," or "I always seem to be working," okay, that's just you know where you're starting from. So hopefully, it can help you to maybe change that definition or to find a way forward so that you move towards cultivating work that you enjoy, work that you're proud of, and work that's meaningful. Because in my experience, for myself and for other people, there's nothing worse than working hard at a job you hate that you don't see any purpose in. You know, I used to work in a supermarket and it was the death of me right because I was working really really hard but it wasn't going anywhere and I could have just easily been replaced and didn't particularly enjoy it so I don't need to feel like that so let's start by going back in time a bit 100 years ago 1922 what kind of jobs would you have for work and it would have, in some ways look very different you'd have farmers well we still have farmers but there were a lot more people farmers people worked in things like in the mines coal mines still do but not as many factory workers telephone operators imagine that you couldn't have just made a a call over wi-fi or 4g or whatever you had to have your phone patched through by somebody to say i'll just put you on hold and they put you through to somebody else now some of those jobs still exist but some of them don't now it's interesting that looking at thinking about all those examples i just gave a lot of them were to do with your hands obviously there's a strong mental element as well but you know telephone operators you have to physically plug the thing working in a factory you're making things working down the mine you're moving the coals and farming the land, I've done that, that's really hard work. So 100 years ago, maybe did we have more stuff to do with the hands as opposed to the head? Just something to think about. You know, if you were born 100 years ago, would you be doing the work that you're doing now? For me? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. So that's something to think about. Where, you know, what was work like in the past? Because it's not the same, it does change. If you go back 200 years, 500 years, you get the idea. So what does today's work look like? Well. Could list thousands of jobs but delivery people now 100 years ago you yeah, had delivery people but they weren't in amazon vans and different dpd and all these different vans were they but delivery people they've i'd say become even more popular and common managers they were around 100 years ago there's a lot more people these days that seem to be managers and leaders entrepreneurs right try saying that phrase 100 years ago somebody see what they'd say You've got all sorts of cool things these days. I saw a woman who's a virtual reality visual artist and created an installation got paid €150,000 for it, and it was incredible. I was thinking, wow, she wouldn't have been able to do that work 10 years ago. So today's work, in some ways, is a little bit different to 100 years ago, but in other ways it's kind of similar. What about the future work? What will that look like? Well there's a lot in relation to that that I can kind of mention but I wanted to rather than speculate on what you know the next 10 years worth of jobs and work look like I, think, I don't think that's very helpful. What I think is more helpful is to give you a book recommendation if somebody knows a lot more than me you can make some predictions and also give you three areas where it's definitely going to continue to go. So Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler wrote a book called The Future is Faster Than You Think and they make a prediction that in the next 10 years we'll see more growth and change than in the last 100 years. So just let that sink in. And they talk about the future of work in every single industry and how everything from insurance to entertainment to food to sport is going to be disrupted and how you can kind of roll with those changes. And when you start to think about the future of work, I don't know about you, but I found myself being quite scared thinking about it, thinking, what's it going to look like? But then you start to learn about it, then you get interested, then you actually get excited. So that book can definitely help you to inform your perspective. But three areas where it's definitely going to continue you know, and two of them involve people really, the first is high cognitive functions, your ability to think and improvise and, and critically think and create solutions and plans and theorise and strategize, that's not going to ever, um, anytime soon, not be important, if anything it's more important. So for example if you think about coronavirus, right, the high cognitive function that the men and women had to think in to try and create solutions alongside technology to create a vaccine very quickly and they did it. So thinking skills, think of it like that, they're definitely going to feature. Socially and emotionally, now it's interesting the first two to do with people and I definitely agree with that, the future belongs to people and technology, right? Socially emotionally, we've seen that in the last two years, our need for social and emotional connection is essential to life. We can't just live on phones and screens in bedrooms and apartments and not go out and see the sunlight and hug people we've learned through having it taken away, the importance of that. So skills and abilities related to social and emotional things, such as emotional intelligence, or ability to create rapport and build relationships and lead and communicate, they're gonna be more important than ever. And you can see examples of people doing those really well right now, and really badly right now. So those first two are people. And the third one's technology. Technology's not going anywhere, is that the internet's not going anywhere. Coding, you know, graphic design, SEO, websites, genetic manipulation through AI, there's also nanobots, nanotechnology, there's molecular engineering, there's all these aspects that are kind of piggybacking into AI and technology and they're incredible and in my opinion they should be embraced. So the future really belongs to people in tech, you know, so if your business is helping one or or even both of those it's a pretty safe bet Um, and I just wanted to shape that in relation to what your work is going to look like. Well it's going to be helping people, benefiting people, and it will involve technology. So as long as you cover both those bases, <laughs> you'd be pretty rounded. So now we've had to think about you know what does work mean to you, and we've had to think about where's the history of work come from, where are we at now, and where we're we going. I'll tell you a little bit about kind of my experience of this, because my my uh, experience of work has drastically changed in the last five years. Before we get into helping to cultivate your your ability to do your best work, so for me, as you know, I was a primary school teacher, so. Working as a primary school teacher is very different, you are teaching lessons, you are marking books, you are planning lessons, you are dealing with parents, you're dealing with children, you're doing all sorts of subject knowledge, you're doing all sorts of things, and there's a lot of work there, and in my opinion, a lot of it is very useful, meaningful, and some of it isn't. And when I left teaching and went into the business world, my kind of paradigm, for you know, if you said, what is work to you, I'd say, well, it's, it's marking books, it's doing lessons, and a lot of that had to change. Because suddenly it was work to me was social media, it was sales, it was marketing, it was vision work, it was operational work, it was financial work. It was all sorts of things that I'd never done before, which was great for me because, you know, I love to learn. So I embraced that and and it shifted and it changed. And what I'd say is if a paradigm, how you think something is, you know, like your paradigm of work, if it's not working for you, it can be updated, it can be changed. And I'd make the case that it should be to fit around your circumstances, the people around you and the environment and the world, you know. We're not going back to videos, are we? Streaming is here to stay. So I've been through this and it's nothing to be scared of, you know. I went from the public sector to the private sector, it's a bit pretty big shift. I went from having a boss and, and being in front of people all the time to working on my own and then having, you know, subcontractors and employees. And then from working face-to-face to working online. And also the nature of the work changed a heck of a lot that's why I've talked before and setting me up for success those first five parts of the season that's why you need your purpose your passion your people your potential your, all these things get them in place they're not going to change you know they're going to feed your ability to work but I've been through this and I continue to go through this and again my goal now is not to try and be busy it's to do good meaningful high value work and I'm very fortunate to be in this position but then you could equally argue I'm in this position now because of previous work you know so What I'm trying to say is if you keep open and fluid that your experience of work can and should change and evolve, then it will. Just think about when you went to school. Nobody starts at year 11. We all start in the first year. Let's look at some ways that you can cultivate your ability to do your very best work. I'm going to give you five because you know me, I like to give you options. The first one is I would ask yourself, and I would do this as an exercise with a pen and paper or with your iPad or tablet, whatever you wanna jot it down, but I would not just think this through. I would write it down, I would make a flow chart, I'd make a diagram, and ask yourself these open-ended questions. Who, what, when, where, which, and if. Now, I'll give you some examples, but you can do whichever. Open-ended questions means it's not yes or no. You're doing it as a thought exercise to explore and further kind of probe what work means to you. Let's all relate it back to trying to do our best work. We're not trying to talk about just being busy or, you know, doing bad work. Let's think about, let's focus on the best. So you could say who. Who do we do our best work for in our business? Who's our best client? You know, who are they? Who are we in relation to them? Who is our best work going to help? Is it just a company? Is it a firm? Is it going to help wider society? Who is going to benefit from our best work? If we make something really good who's going to benefit? That's a good one. What? What's my best work? What am I something I'm really proud of? What's something I did that had a massive impact or made a positive change or earned us a lot of money or got us a new client or moved us forward? You know, what is that? Can we do that again? What was that thing? When do I do my best work? Is it certain times of day? Is it certain times of the week? Is it when I'm under pressure? Is it when I've got a deadline? Is it when I'm well supported? Is it when I'm on my own? Is it when I'm with other people? And again, just think back to the past, you know? Just think that thing that you did that was really good. When was that? Where were you? What were you doing? Yeah, so when do you do your best work? Really good question for where. Where do you do your best work? Steve Wozniak, who worked with Steve Jobs, and Steve Wozniak was the man who focused on building a lot of the the computers and the tech. He said, work on your own. In silence to get your best work done now i wouldn't say that works for everybody but if you're introverted meaning if being around people kind of tires you out a bit and you'd rather do best work on your own then do that i do my best work on my own making podcasts making videos writing blogs creating models creating training courses i do it on my own in silence and that's where i choose to be you know uh, there's other things i can do around people and different things like that but that's where i do my best work so guess what i've got to spend time doing that Now, if you've not got that opportunity, you might think, well, I don't really know, I have to go to the office, I have to do this. Well, attitudes towards that have changed, and they're changing, aren't they, over the last couple of years. So where are you doing your best work? This is an interesting one. Which would you rather do, your best work or being busy? Because when I ask those kinds of questions to people, they invariably fall back on, well, it's just got to be done. It's always like that, I'm time poor. Not necessarily, you know. There is a choice to this. You've always got choice. Always, especially in business. Always more choices than you think you know even if your business folded tomorrow you could always make another one so which would you rather do the meaningful work there might be less of it might be harder you might have to spend more time on your own or is it that that kind of like sense of working is more important to you and be honest either's good it's, it's whatever you want and if is a great one and if question I always say if you could do it all day for free for your business, what would you do? I'd make these podcasts all day for free. (laughs) Well, I kind of do, you know, but you know what I mean? I'd make content all day for free. I'd teach people all day for free. I'd train people all day for free if I could, if it was possible, you know? So those open-ended questions will start to tease out what, where, when, which, how, if, etc. Your best stuff comes out because we want to do your best stuff. We don't want to be busy. We want to do the best work, the highest stuff, you know? The second thing I'd do to help you to cultivate your best work is to write down A list of all the things that you do for your role. You might have a job spec that you can you know pull up on the computer or you might not even have one you have to write one down. I first did this I think in my second year in business I wrote down all the things that I do, my work that I do for Catarse and it was like 17 things and that terrified me. I was like oh wow uh, I'm doing quite a lot of stuff. But then once you've written it down you start to think do I need to do all this? Is some of this duplication? Do I do all this all the time? How often do I do these things? Am I doing 17 things every day? I don't think so. And you start to play with it. You start to play with the data. So what I would do is write them all down. Say you've got, I don't know, 20 things. Then think, okay, what's the highest priority? What's the highest value stuff? You know, what's the stuff that makes the big impact, gets the big contract, the big money, the high value for the client? And then what's the kind of the lowest stuff? You think, mm, it's not really great that, that could wait, you know, it's not that important and create that list, go from 1 to 20, now you might say, well it's not as easy as that, because it's context specific, or it depends on certain things, it does, it does, but try, so the podcast, I love making podcasts for you, but is it the most important thing that I do right now, no it's not, so I, that's why I don't do, you know, every single day podcasts, and it doesn't mean I don't love it, it doesn't mean it's not good work, it just means I understand it has a place in things, And once we have that sense of safety and control in relation to our work, we feel a lot better. You know, if you want to feel a bit more comfortable, always add an element of safety, an element of control. So an element of safety is to say, well, I can always change this. And an element of control is to say, yeah, I can manipulate it and maybe I could focus on this or this bit more. So now I've kind of teased out, you know, the deeper elements of your best work and you're starting to think, okay, so my best work seems to be when I'm in this place, doing it with these people, focusing on these tasks that are a higher priority. This is a really important one that I wish somebody told me, especially if you run a business, right, you'll know this, or if you're in a leadership or a management position, and also if you're client facing, so if you're sales, if you're marketing, <laughs> most people these days, right, you're facing clients or members of the public or... You know b2b speaking to other companies or networking understand this factor in preparation time and post time priming yourself to come up and then bringing yourself down i would definitely suggest study sports people and performers because if there's an aspect of working with people and in front of people that's very tiring that can be hard work because people as my my, uh, my father's mentor would say people are messy it's true we're all messy And when you deal with people, especially have problems, and if they're not in a great space, it's tiring. It's emotionally draining. It is hard work, right, by any definition. And understand that. So, for example, um, I did a training session this week, and it was fantastic. Um, Seven hours, full day, loved it. I don't just turn up, you know. I took a day before, I'd done preparation before, but I took a day to get there early, to just get myself ready and have everything I needed, and then... Well, as soon as I finished I knew I'd be tired but that's okay so make sure I got home and had some food and etc so understand that your best work has to live within a lifestyle and that what me what I think it was in my first year in business I understood you think oh, I have a business but then you realize no you don't you have a life and your business has to fit within that life it can't be the other way around because otherwise you've just got a job and a job that you hate and some people tell me about that. And I said, well, you need to craft a lifestyle. It doesn't mean you do less work. It just means you need to know where that business fits in the lifestyle. And as you know, these attitudes towards that are completely changing right now, which is a very positive thing. So for me, I understand now that I can't just expect myself to go from Zoom call to Zoom call or from delivery to delivery or from making this to doing that. There has to be time to prep myself to come up. And then afterwards, there has to be time to bring yourself down. In my experience, the one that most people don't do is they don't bring themselves down. They just stop at 11 p.m. at night and say, "Why can't I sleep, right? Because you've got yourself into that high cognitive function state of work, which is great. You can't just come out of that in like five minutes, you know? So understand that there's a cost there in terms of energy. You've got to make sure you've got everything you need and then make sure you bring yourself down with rest and recovery. So just study sports people. Think, what are they doing, you know? What's Ronaldo do in football to recover? What did Usain Bolt do? You know, what do these? What does Serena Williams do? What do the best people in the world do? Can I put a bit of that into what I do to make sure I'm able to consistently do my best work? Because that's what you want to do. You want to be able to consistently do this stuff, not average once in a while. All right, the fourth thing is to understand about the different types of work, emotional work, care work, deep work, shallow work, new work, old work, boring work, low value work. Let's look at more, right? emotional work like I've said before is anything that has a high emotional cost so people bless them when they work in hospices with dying people if you're working with people who are drug addicts homeless people if you're working with children if you're working with people with disabilities and, and learning needs and things like that it is very emotionally difficult work right so expect it to take chunks out of you now so a lot of people love it and then it it brings them alive but there's still a cost to it so that's one type of work it doesn't even matter what it is actually i know people that you know when they're doing coding they get emotional about it but think is this work that's going to emotionally change my state in which case you need to look after yourself with it um it's care work as well caring for relatives caring for family members a lot of the work that's been done traditionally over the say the past hundred years and going backwards was um, in care work and housework was by women and I got a lot about that from a book called Invisible Women. So I definitely recommend that when they talk about the invisible work that women traditionally have done and continue to do. Raising families, looking after the house, you know, tr- looking after aged parents. And that and attitudes towards that are changing, sometimes slowly, but there's a massive cost to that. I've seen that from personal experience. Members of my family, they don't get paid for the actual work they do, right? But they're just doing it. So you might have to do that. The deep work is like Steve Wozniak was saying, something that requires total focus. You can't do deep work eight hours a day unless you're totally in the zone and working on something, which can happen. I would recommend doing deep work in, again, small pockets, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour max, because it's very high cognitive function. It's going to really tire you out unless you're in the zone with it. And you'll know, trust me, you know, when you're in the zone. So the deep work, yeah, you think, how do I get my proper stuff done that's highest value you know you're trying to create a new product something like that how do I get that done and then equally shallow work you think about responding to emails or tidying my desk you know that can be done kind of as and when new work as well stuff you've never done before you know using new skills you might be a bit slow with that you might have to be patient with yourself for that one and equally old work which ties in with boring work sometimes we all I have to do it do things I don't want to do this it's going to take time but it needs to be done okay right that's just as important sometimes as the deep work in different ways. And the last one is low value stuff. Again, we don't want to be doing all our time on low value stuff, but sometimes we have to do work that's just low value. And, it, and I like that because sometimes if you do it mindfully, you can almost just not enjoy it, but it's just being done, being ticked off, and there's a sense of progression there. I have that sometimes when I go to the gym. I don't feel particularly strongly about it. I just get the work done. And there's a great satisfaction that if you can be consistent. But all of those different works are going to have energy costs. Yeah, it's going to take something out of you. So like I've said before in previous episodes, make sure you check them out. How to put stuff back in, rest and recover. Make sure you check out those episodes. And then the final thing, I think that's really important, number five is, and this is really cool because I was talking to a client, um, Simplify Consulting today, and they had a brilliant thing. So this is from them. And we're talking about how can you grow your ability to handle the work. So they have a very simple thing. When they have a problem or an issue or a work issue, They say to each other, okay, how bad is it? Or, you know, what is it on a scale of 1 to 10? So it might be like, oh, it's a 7 out of 10. Then the second question they say is, how confident do you feel about doing the work or solving the problem? So say that how bad it is is 7, but how confident you feel is 9. Fine, crack on. Nine's better than 7, you You'd be fine. But if the problem was a 6, and how confident you feel is a 2, then we need to help, you know, with the confidence. So that made me think, well, really then, we don't need to just solve problems we need to grow our abilities to handle the work and that's what i say with all of this ties through all of this no matter what happens in your work in the future if you're consistently growing your ability to handle the work that you do whatever that is you'd be fine you know growing your level so you're level 9 10 growing going up and up and up you know so you're thinking all right there's this but i feel equal to the task and the best way to do that is to learn is to grow is to train is to read is to ask questions and develop because whatever comes you'll be ready for it because there's big changes in the world of work happening and that's really exciting so the last thing I'd say on all of that is you know, review your work habits what does work mean to you and what are the habits you can put in place to ensure that you're doing your best work and cultivating that ability to do your best work you know and I would look at that weekly I'd look at it monthly quarterly and yearly because the next three months will look different to the last three months if you just make some small tweaks and changes So the work has to exist within the habits, the habits have to exist within the lifestyle and the definite balance to the work is rest and recovery and looking after yourself. You might have heard me say it before, you know, don't perform like a professional, rest like an amateur, you know, look after yourself. So it's been amazing spending time with you in season two. I'd like to say thank you so much for all your lovely comments and all of your reviews and all of, all just listening and spend some time with me i hope it's been helpful for you i hope it's helped you to grow your abilities and to enjoy it and, and some of the things that you've been saying to me really special and they mean a lot so if you've reached out to me thank you thank you very much so we've got some amazing stuff coming already for season three you gonna try and make some positive changes make it even better so you can look forward to that coming very soon not far away at all and just take one thing from today is it what work means to you is it the five ways to cultivate the best work is it the book recommendations is it thinking about future work just take one thing you know and just think all right how can i do this to grow my ability and the second thing is even if you don't do that someone somewhere right now loves you very very much okay take care speak soon and see you in season three